Okay, so we are starting the topic of dreams. I'm sure that we spoke about it once by heart. And what we will attempt to do is to uh, mirror what we did a while back when we were learning certain passages regarding prayer from the Gemara. And I know we're just starting this week, so I'll just begin. But God willing, by next week, the participants will have access to either buying a book or downloading it online. What we are going to be learning now is Brachis, page 55a. Um, in the little booklets that were similar to the ones that we gave out, there'll be another number to the book, but it's the tractate of Brachis, page 55a, towards the bottom of the page. This is where the Gemara begins to discuss dreams. Now, the advantage of learning it out of the book is as we, if, for those of us who participated in the law, in the prayers, and we learned about astronomy from the Gemara, is that the Gemara was written in a very unique way. It's not an organized topic, you know, that you begin from point A, and then you build on it to point B, and then you go to point C. It doesn't work that way. We are, it's a compilation. It's a gathering of different statements made by rabbis that lived more or less five or 600 years in, uh, within one the other it means it covers a few hundred years of statements of our Chachamim and some of them are more enigmatic some of them are more detail oriented and even the ones that are more detail oriented there is layers upon layers of understandings of what they're saying and this gives appreciation of the nuance and of the detail that when someone says, well, what does a dream mean? It's Even if a person can quote verbatim, ah, the Gemara says that this dream means A. That's a little part of the picture. And if you don't have the larger picture, then only looking at a little part of the picture can be very misleading. All of that just underlines the challenge of coming into a halachic ruling, because when it comes to a halachic question, is it kosher or not? And many people wonder, why can't the rabbi just give me a quick yes or no? And some of the greatest of rabbis are able to do it because of their immense scholarship. But normally, it's not a yes or no. Because of when you start learning the sources of all, then you see the diversity of opinions and the nuances of each opinion and the multi-layers of how to understand each opinion. And then there are rules of which one will make it into halacha. When you, pull, when you put all of that together, then you taka have the bigger picture, and only then are you able to give a halachic ruling. A great analogy for this would be if someone were to take a picture of you right now, and then at the end of the day, they would say, oh, how was your day? And they'll look at that picture. And that's nonsensical. That's foolish. No, no. That picture is only an image of you at a given moment. But the way you were a moment or two prior, certainly an hour prior, or a moment or two later, and certainly an hour later, is going to be completely different. To a certain degree, halacha is, a halacha is like a picture. At a specific scenario, from a specific angle, that's the, pic, that's the halacha. But the moment anything changes, then the picture might, might change as well. And, and I think that's, it's very important to get that perspective. I know that many people have access to many books in English written about dreams based on Chazal, which is amazing. But I think even, even more amazing 
and especially as the Rebbe advocated, for women to learn Gemara, is to learn this from the Gemara. Many statements that we will be learning together will contradict each other, because not everyone is of agreement. Many times that which appears to be a contradiction could be resolved, many times not. And that will give us, God willing, after learning this for a couple of weeks, a much broader, a much more in-depth, a much more detail-oriented understanding of how the our sages relate to dreams. Now it is correct to say, before we begin, that no doubt that many dreams are of great significance. There's no doubt about that. Of what type of significance, we will see. Generally, we can say that sometimes a dream can be an insight into the person who is having the dream. It's an insight into the dreamer. And sometimes a dream is like a prophecy. They're both important, but obviously one is completely different than the other. And we're going to see whether there are certain hints that we will be given in the Gemara that will give us a better way of determining of what category was my dream. Now, some dreams are completely nonsensical. So let's begin by saying there are three types of dreams. There is a dream that is of no meaning. There is a dream in which my unconscious is manifesting or something within me is trying to communicate to another part of me. So it's a window into me and sometimes a dream can be a window into the heavens. Many prophets prophesied through a dream, mamish. And that wasn't foolishness and it wasn't a psychological expression of one's unconscious, but it was taka, a place that God uses through what we call the angel of dreams to communicate to people that are unworthy and unable to be bona fide prophets. So these are the three general categories. I think it's important to go into this, having that knowledge. We will never come with a very clear-cut science of how would I know which dream falls into which category. What we will, God willing, put together, build together, are certain uh, possibilities and probabilities. And there's always going to be, there's, we're going to need to have a person who both has knowledge and more importantly, the way we understand, a person who's God-fearing, to have the intuition, the holy intuition, to be able to know of what category dream one has and therefore to use that information accordingly. Okay, now for those who are going to be watching this later that will already be having a Gemara before them, if you're going to be reading inside the Aramaic part, we are again on page 55a, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 lines before the bottom of the page by the two dots. For people that are using the art scroll, if you have an art scroll, or if your families, if you have an art scroll in your home, so it's going to be in the larger books. Whoever can see, I'm picking up this book, hard covered, um, was not the ones that we shared that God willing will have access to all next week. But this is Brachis B, and I'm going to page 55A4. And we're beginning with Rav Chizda. Rav Chizda, another good intro, it's a historical intro. Like we mentioned, the Gemara covers both Mishnayis, or the Talmud covers both Mishnayis and Gemara. The word Talmud is the most generic word for it all. In the Talmud, there is Mishnah Gemara. Mishnah 
is a compilation of teachings and halachas that were brought forth, that were verbalized in the era of the Tanoim. The era of, of the Tanoim began in middle of the Second Temple era. It ended with the passing of Rebbe, also known as Rabbeinu HaKadosh, also known as Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi. Right, he lived um, in the northern part of Israel, and he was the one that actually compiled the Mishnayis. He was at the end of the era of the Tanoim, followed by the next era of the Amoiroim. The Amoiroim wrote the Gemara that interprets the Mishnah. That era lasted for almost for, the, the, for, for almost 350 years. The Mishnah was put down on paper in year approximately 180 of the Common Era. And the Gemara, the Talmud, was put down, was compiled and closed in year 459. I might be off by a year or two, but I think I got it right. 459, we're speaking about on the Goyish, the Common Era time. So that is more or less the era of the Amirayim. Rab Chizda was from the latter era, and that is of great significance. Because the earlier rabbis, if you, if you lived in an earlier era, it's a given that you had more divine inspiration. And rabbis of a later era don't have the legal right to go against any of their rulings. What the rabbis of a later era do have a right is to pick a side. So if amongst the Tanoim you have two opinions, so Beisilol says A, Beishamai says B, so the Amiroim can choose one of those sides. By the way, the example that I gave is not the best example because Beisilol and Beishamai, we rule like Beisilol. There are exceptions, but we rule like Beisilol. But still, you can say that whenever there is an argument in the earlier era, the rabbis, the rabbinate of the latter era have the right to side with one opinion that was said earlier. But if everyone unanimously ruled one way in the era of the Tanoim, in the earlier era, then the rabbis of the era of the Amiroim have no koyach to go against it. Now, there might be very, very few exceptions, but this is generally um, our, our, our tradition being passed down. Um, Lahavdil, Lahavdil, here in the Supreme Court, you have what they call a jury prudence. And when they have an absolute jury prudence, it's very, very rare for a latter court to go against that which was already accepted and established by prior courts. So this is more or less what happens. Every era has the right to opine. And, uh, and, the, and, 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 and the latter era does not argue with the era before them. Guys, I'm coming back. Just give me a second. All right, so now that was just an intro. Rav Chizda was one of the great Amoiroyim, and he says the following. Let one dream, any dream, but not a dream of fasting. But not a dream of fasting. Now here, and to appreciate the nuance, what does he mean by that? So there's two ways of understanding what Rav Chizda is saying. So I'm reading out of footnote 46 that Rashi writes, that a dream in which the dreamer is portrayed as fasting means if you dream that you were fasting, that's a bad omen. That's one understanding of the statement of Rab Chizda. Now, like I mentioned in the introduction, no one should walk away today by saying, ah, I know one dream. If you dreamt that you're fasting, that's something not good. No, not necessarily. 
uh, God forbid, I'm not denying what Rabbi Chizda is saying. But as we'll learn later, that there are certain circumstances that the dreams are of no significance. And if this is a dream type that is of no meaning at all, at all, then I don't care what the person dreamt. This is once we already established that the dream is of significance, especially if this is a dream which is on the level of prophecy, that means that someone out there is trying to communicate to you about something. So if that is coming in the form of the image of you fasting, not you witnessing someone else fasting, but if you dream, that's what Rashi says, that you are fasting, someone is telling you that something very not good is about to happen. Now, And even in that, there are many details. Something not good is about to happen when? We're going to learn nuances about that later. That's something that we even have in the Chumash. That if a person has a repetitive dream, that is an indication that whatever it is that's being told to them is going to happen much sooner than later. If it's not a repetitive dream, if you have it only one time, well, even if you already established that this dream is of the prophecy type, we don't know when. And that's also of significance because things that are being communicated to us about the future, the rule is, if that is something good, it's going to happen. Even if the reasons someone was very righteous, a great mitzvah happened, maybe that same person later, God forbid, did a terrible thing. It doesn't, it will never underdo, it will never undo the, uh, the good dream. But the reverse is different. If a person is being told that something bad is going to happen, like here, let's go with this, and a person dreams that they are fasting. And I establish that that's a prophecy dream. Ooh, something bad is going to happen. Yes, something bad is going to happen if no changes are made. The moment tshuva is done, now we have to know from whom, but the moment whatever it is that's causing this negative future event is going to be rectified, then the manifestation of the negativity will not happen. And that's what we read on Yom Kippur, the story of Yoyna. This wasn't only a prophecy dream, a mamasha prophecy, that Yoyna was told that an entire city is going to be destroyed by God. Through whatever, doesn't matter, through what, through what means, supernatural means, natural means, a city is going to get destroyed. When the city did tshuva, then that decree was removed. So at least these, uh, these are very good uh, pointers, which is important to hear at Dafka in the beginning, again, which gives perspective. Many times people say, you see, it says in the book X, Y, and Z. If you don't have these few words of introduction, then things will really be wrongly applied. But in the narrow understanding, Rav Chizda is saying that dreaming that you are fasting is a bad omen. And again, that's Rashi. A contemporary of Rashi, a rabbi of the era of the Rishonim, which is two eras after the times of the Talmud, understands Rav Chizda in an opposite way. He's saying that dreams, like we mentioned, three categories. It can be nonsensical, it can be a psychological dream, and it can be a prophetic dream. So Rabchizda is saying that if someone is having a dream while they are fasting, it's a nonsensical dream. Not only is it not a prophetic dream, it's not even a psychological dream. Since they are fasting, not they are dreaming that they are fasting. When a person is, one's body is in a state of distress, of food deprivation, 
then then such a dream is simply any dream is a manifestation of that pain. So it's not even a psychological dream. It's just it's just a manifestation of some distress. It's like how many times did it happen maybe to you that something physically was happening to you or like that alarm clock is ringing and you hear in your dream that sound. And then when you wake up, you realize that that sound was from the alarm clock or other similar outside, um, let's say, stimuli that that a person might be on a boat and they're sleeping or on an airplane and, 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 you're, and everything is moving, it's moving. So in your dream, you're dreaming about, you know, you're completely in unbalanced. That's not even a psychological dream. It's zikr, not a prophetic dream. I'm not going to say it's a nonsensical dream. It doesn't mean, it just means that there's something happening to you and what's happening to you physically, externally, is manifesting in your dream. So if a person is fasting, and parenthetically we're speaking about someone who's fasting in a way that it causes them distress. Many people, many people today are into the intermittent fasting. If it doesn't cause you distress, that's not called fasting. The fasting of this interpretation is a person, mamish, isn't sad. You're very, it's you're more than just uncomfortable. You're hungry, you're starving. And then any dream you have won't mean anything. It's just some sort of psychological manifestation of your feelings of starvation. Any questions? I have a question. Go ahead. <laughs> Hello. Good morning. Um, so uh, in terms of prophetic dreams, you define that as an outside being trying to tell us something? Yes. Is that right? Yes. Okay, so um, is it always from a pure place or could, could it be from a place of shtus? Well, well, uh, very good, well, very good. Okay, I'm happy you bring this up. So let's go. When I say outside, Dafkai did not say God. All right, as we'll see in the Gemara, it could be God and it could be uh, different uh, angelic forces, certain demonic forces. Some of them are from the side of good and some of them are from the side of bad. It's interesting that when you read the Zoyar, there was a character that the Zoyar calls who's the master of the dreams. And uh, the master of the dreams, either, well, it's really just like a tool. So forces above it get to use the master of the dreams the way they want. So if a person, let's say, the Zoyer says, a person did a terrible transgression. So just like our good deeds creates what we will call, in simple words, a malach, a good malach, some sin, every sin causes a bad malach. If that malach gets into sync with the sad hachaloimais, with the master of the dreams, that bad malach can come back and it's, it's, like, it's like a child who is angry at the parent and the child does things to hurt the parent. So this malach, this bad malach is angry at us, we're the parent and it wants to get back at us and it's going to use, it could sometimes use the master of the dreams to afflict us. So if a person has a nightmare and the nightmare doesn't go away and they're afflicted, some people are afraid to go to sleep. They're afraid of that dream. It, it, even if it is a prophetic dream, but it doesn't mean it's coming from a good place. In reverse, there's many stories of the Holy Baal Shem Tev. Um, I can share a beautiful story right now. The Nakud of the story was is that the Baal Shem Tev, who really had an open house, unlike the Magid, who was a much more of an exclusive Rebbe, 
everyone had, had free reign to walk into the shtibble in Mezhubush. I think some people here even went to Mezhubush. And there was a Jew that walked in to the shtibble. He was searching. And it was nice. It was warm and it was lively. But whatever it is that he was looking for was not something that he at first glance felt that he found. So he walked into the shul, I think it was on a Shabbos afternoon, he, he stayed by the tish, he heard the Psadvar Torah, he heard the songs, he found it lovely, and he walked out of the shul telling himself, this is not what I'm really looking for. And in his mind, in his mind, seven years go by. And he goes on a whole life journey from one place to another place. And the end of the story was, is that he converted to marry, to marry up, that was sadly one of the temptations that sometimes presented itself in the old world. And he became very wealthy. And at the end, he was accused of crimes that he did not commit. And what, what sealed his fate was the fact that people remember that, really, he's a Jew? And he's lingering in jail. And he's awaiting a death sentence. And he wakes up. He's still sitting around the tish of the Baal Shem Tov the, the entire seven years was just one moment of his dream. And the Baal Shem Tev used the Sar HaChaloimois to show him more or less what were to happen if he won't hang, if he won't stay. And in that scenario, that person um, chose to stay with the Holy Baal Shem Tev. So that's just a, an example of, it was a prophetic dream. It was a dream in which the Baal Shem Tev was was showing that Jew that if he leave the group of Hasidim, the Baal Shem Tov foresaw more or less what will happen to him, and he wanted him to see it. So normally you don't get to live twice. You know, if you make a mistake, you pay the consequences. He had the great fortune of the Baal Shem Tov giving him seven years of life in one instant, for him to see that that was a bad choice, for him to choose better when he woke up around the Shaloshud decision of the Baal Shem Tov. I hope I answered your question. Thank you. Okay. I have a question. Go ahead about recurring dreams okay um i've already asked this question before but I, I don't really remember we talked about it in the context of this um i used to have recurring dreams for many 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 years the same dream every single night um and it was a it was a dream of uh being in the holocaust and hiding from being persecuted something like that and I was told that that dream was not a, a dream of the future, but a dream of a past life. Does this, does what we're going to be studying go into that at all? Yeah, yeah, okay. So very good. When I said prophetic, good. It's a good clarification. Prophetic doesn't only have to mean about the future. Prophetic means that whatever it is that you're seeing is not coming, not from your psycho psychology, psychology, not from your unconscious. It's not coming from a bodily, like we just learned, that you're starving, so you're dreaming. It's coming from somewhere out there. Now, somewhere out there, normally we, we, we uh, associate prophecy with the future. And that's a correct association. But prophecy is not exclusive to the future. Prophecy can mean that you're being notified about something that happened in a prior life. And, okay, so then what do we, how do we know what to do about that? Is there any... We're not we're not there yet. First of all, that's I'm saying okay. the, view, the view, one one thing I can say, Balaam, that the advantage of learning Gemara. Right now we had one line, we learned one line, and we have Rashi and Aruch, which interpret it completely different. 
Can you imagine what happens after you after we'll learn two or three pages? So many people say, oh, I'm all confused. So don't, if one's goal is to have a, a um, clean Excel sheet, let me get this thing organized. This A means one and B is two. If that is one's goal, then studying Talmud is extremely frustrating, but it's also not going to be the Emmas. In other words, look, you're asking a question. Let me say like this. A Rebbe can answer you definitely. The Rebbe, a, a Rebbe, a godly Jew, who himself is on a level of a prophet, can tell you exactly what your dream means, where it's coming from, and what it's trying to tell you. Other than that, other than that, the next best thing is to learn these topics in Torah. And the beauty of the Gemara is it's going to bring you a compilation of so many different approaches. You will get confused. You're going to learn throughout the next couple of weeks over here opposite opinions. But it, that's why it's also very important for everyone to have the book because you should have access to the words themselves. Because if I'm reading it and I'm misinterpreting it off by a hair, then it's already giving you false, fake news, bad information. So we're very loyal to the words of the Gemara. And, and when you learn it and you learn it, then ultimately, if you have all the information, which is that in itself is a huge statement, then we rely on a person's intuition, which, which path resonates. I see. And would Rabbi Yitzhak Ginsburg um, be considered one of those type of uh, Rebbeim that can give you an interpretation? Oh, for sure. From the people that I know, he's going to be on top of the list. Correct. Wait, I didn't hear what you said. Can you repeat I said that? from the people that I know, I would put him on the top of the list. Because okay. both he has, he has all the knowledge. He has all the knowledge. He's extremely knowledgeable. And more importantly, he's extremely holy. He's a God-fearing Jew. He's like... like Absolutely. He's, he's the like, Baltic. He's amazing. He's, I know. So saying in our world, he's, he's from the top people. Correct. Uh, I just want to add one thing. That, that let's go... I want to go back to the Rebbe, okay? Everyone knows the Rebbe. When the Rebbe was physically here with us, the attitude of a Jew concerning whether it is a dream or anything else, especially by Chabad Hasidim. We would ask the Rebbe what it means. But that, that doesn't take away our responsibility and it's, a, and it's a joyful responsibility. It's a pleasurable responsibility to go learn. It's not a stira. No, we're not looking just, just give me the answer. Like when it comes to medicine, I'm happy with that. A person has an illness, Give me the best doctor. Let the doctor make the prognosis. Let him, let, let him give a medication. I don't have to go to, I don't even want to go to medical school. That might be the case when it comes to medical school. When it comes to trade, it's different. The, the ideal is to have a Rebbe, to have him to ask, Tachlis, what does it mean? But that should not take away our curiosity of like even knowing what a great Sadiq or a great Jew responded. Let's go see how we got there. Let me see if I can figure that out. In other words, it's always geschmack um, and important for us to do the work on our own. You get what I'm saying, Bela? So even if you have heard from him a certain approach, I, I, if he would tell it to me, I would accept it. It doesn't contradict. So then what's the point of learning it? We're learning Torah. And, it, and it's, it. It, this, is our, this is our tradition. This is who we are. Part of Yiddishkeit is learning. And, and learning on this level. Not learning like, 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 like black and white. Learning gray, the whole Gemara is gray. Someone told me, without mentioning names, someone who, 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 who was a doctor in Brazil, and now he's becoming a doctor over here. He, I asked him, 
Like, is the information different? He said, no. But it's a whole different type of doctor. That, that here, a doctor, it's a formula. That this has that medicine. That has the other medicine. That in Brazil, doctors are like artists. They're, they are given a lot of lee room to, to intuit, to try one path, to try the other path. For whatever reason, maybe because people here, if it doesn't work out well, they might go ahead and sue. However that works, it's it's a whole different approach. Everything is very square, very boxy. Boxy does not work with Gemara. It frustrates people. So we're learning now, we're learning a science. We're learning how to paint. Okay, so we had, we had one stroke. Let's hop one more stroke and we'll stop with that. The same Rab Chizda, Ve'omar Rab Chizda, Chelma Deloy Mi Pashar, a dream that has not been interpreted, ki igarto deloy mikriya is like a letter that has not been read. Now, when you hear these words, if a letter was not read, I would say, what does that mean? If someone is writing me a letter and they're giving me information, a good, a good surah toiva. I'm getting information that um, someone gifted the Aiden project a million dollars. It's in a letter. And he deposited the money in the account. It's a gift. Me reading the letter or not has no effect on reality at all. It's simply a way for me to know about the reality. So when Abchizda is saying that a dream that has not been interpreted is like a letter that has not been read, one would have said without Rashi, it means that you have, you know, you like you idiot, you have the dream, why don't you read it? God gave you the information. Why don't you read it? Because the information, you know, you, you want to live in ignorance. Ignorance is bliss. Why would it be bliss? Know what it is. Rashi doesn't understand this statement that way. Rashi understands that what Rabbi Chizda is saying is something very mystical. He's saying that a letter, that's the analogy over here that we're speaking about a type of letter, not like notifying me about information, but it's a letter that's empowering me to do something. Like, for example, someone gives you a, uh, you want to be, let's say, a notary, but for that you have to have, I don't know, you have to have a permission from someone to be the notary, and you get in the mail your notary package. If you're, if you're not going to use it, then you have no koyach, then you're nothing. You're a, you are a notary in theory. A dream is, is like a koyach that only if you use it will it come into fruition. What does using it mean? Reading it. What does using it mean? Interpreting it. If you don't interpret the dream, the dream will not have an effect, not for good and not for bad. Wow. And this is a very mystical concept that we learn a lot about in Hasidus. That our koyach of speech and everything that we have parallels the ten sfiras, parallels the sfira of malchus. Malchus is speech. Speech is malchus. A king who was completely unable to communicate to, the, to his people, when we're speaking about speech, we don't only mean speech. Communication. So if a king has no ways of communicating, even though the king has the theoretical power of making an edict, the king can make a law, the king can uh, pardon someone, if he doesn't communicate that, all of his koyach is worthless for the world. 
for the Medina, for the citizens, because he's not using it. It has no effect on them. So a dream, Rabbi Chizda is saying, and even the dreams that are of significance, we're speaking here again about prophetic dreams, not psychological dreams, and not bodily dreams, but prophetic dreams, if they will not be interpreted, they will not come to fruition. They will not come to fruition. Or to say this in the words of the Zohar, that speech is the medium between spiritual and physical. These are big words. There is a spiritual world. Many people are able somehow to travel there when they close their eyes. But in order for that world to manifest in this world, it needs a medium. It needs a channel. And the medium of Ruchni and Gashmi is speech. Same thing in reverse. If there is something that's happening in this world that you want to, so to say, bring to the attention of the spiritual world, speaking to them about it, talking about it, is the medium. We have this actually, it's not such a stretch when you think about it. We are multi-layered beings. We have a spiritual world. We have a non-tangible world, which is the world of our thoughts. I'll call that my inner world. You can't see it. It's invisible to you. Then you have what I do, my nigla world, right? My concrete world. The medium between one and the other is my speech. If I will never tell you what's going on within me, if I don't tell you, you don't have access to it. You don't have access to it. When something is happening and we want to modify behavior, one of the means to modify that behavior is to get the unconscious involved in that behavior, to become aware of what we're not aware of. And we all know now, the past few hundred years, it's done through modern uh, psychoanalysis, through talking. You got to talk. Talking is a two-way street. Speech is a medium between Gashmi and Ruchni. Lomashalot says that by Yabris, being that Eliyahu Novi comes de facto to every Jewish bris. But will he stay on? So it says, we read this, the Mayal reads it, that we have to say, this is the chair of Eliyahu Novi. May he be remembered for good. And it says in the Zoyar that if the Mayal does not say those words, he doesn't have to shout it. But if he doesn't say it, Eliyahu Novi is in and Eliyahu Novi is out. Same concept. Eliyahu Novi is something ruchni. We want him to, we, we have a chair, nice. We have like a keli for him to stay. You have to say, you have to speak. Words are the medium. Tefillah, I want to get my, 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 my life, so to say, presented in front of God. God is here and God knows Emes. But there's a concept of bringing it up. How do we bring it to the heavenly attention? Through speech. Now, if the heavens want to communicate something to us, what do they do? So they give it to us in a dream. But then we need to speak it out. Notes the interpretation of the, of the dream is the verbalization of the dream. Now, every time you verbalize an image, you are interpreting it. Right? If you are reading words, without, an, then you can just read it. But most, in 99% of cases, you're not, reading, you're, not, you're not reading a word. You're not seeing a word. You're seeing an image. And now you have to verbalize it. So verbalizing a dream by default means interpretation. 
So what Rashi says that what Rab is saying is not that if you won't interpret it, you won't know, but the reality is there. He's saying much something much deeper that if you don't interpret a dream, it will have zero effect in the physical world. Something is out there, it will never manifest. That's a big statement, and a lot should be built from the statement. Many people say, well, if that's the case, if a person thinks they had a bad dream, just don't talk about it. Just not talking about it is only a partial solution, because then you are disallowing for that negativity to manifest physically. But that negativity is still out there. If someone will be able to interpret it positively, then you're going to take whatever that is, you're going to channel it through something positive, and it's going to manifest in a positive way, and you completely transformed all that negative energy. In other words, interpreting a dream positively is much better than just not speaking about the dream at all. Happens to be that most of the people that live most of the people that we know at least are not that dream-oriented people. Over time, for various reasons, people forget their dreams. We learn how to forget our dreams, especially when people who are younger, who are therefore closer to the heavens, they are less sinful. They have many, many more prophetic dreams, which is why they overwhelm the child. And one of the days of dealing with that which is overwhelming especially if it's overwhelmingly scary, is to learn how to ignore it, to block it. And we get very good at it. So it's very common for people to have a dream. And for them, you know, for a minute or two, wow, that was a dream. And then by breakfast, you forgot the dream. You just remembered that you had a wow dream. And then by, by supper, you well, forgot that you even had a dream. Now, the, the, that, that at least... It gives you the benefit that if the dream was containing some sort of negative energy, it will not manifest. But again, but the negative energy is somewhere in a Ruchni Yisdika world, if the person would have the knowledge and the wisdom and the and the Chavir or the Chaverta, the colleague whom to share the dream with, and they would know, not out of their stomach, but they would, from learning Chazals, would know how to direct it in a positive way, that's really a very uh, second important intro to the entire topic given by the great Amaira by the name of Rav Chizdom. All right. Good. Any questions? Uh, I have questions. Go ahead. I have questions. Okay, so in terms of bringing things down and manifesting them through speech that are fundamentally coming from a higher place, which is like um, uh, uh, thoughts that are not so much verbal, but are, they're actually just visions i kind of I'm, i personally in my life i try to take the words away lately and just see things in images as opposed to putting words to them because i feel like when we put words to things we could often it's tricky words are very tricky right so i try to go to a place of more feeling and seeing kind of if that makes any sense why can't we just in the world of thought resolve our dreams and interpret our dreams and leave them in that world of machshava and do a tikkun up there without having to bring anything down. Um, I w- so I guess you mentioned machshava. There are three levels of machshava that the Al-Tarebbe speaks about in Tanya. You have machshava of machshava and dibar of machshava and maisa of machshava without getting into all those nuances right now. But I would agree with the premise of what you're saying. That if a person were to... Um, 
bring down their machshava of machshava into their maisa of machshava, then they can manifest it positively, but in the world of machshava and not in the concrete world. No one says you cannot do that. The advantage of physical speech is that the view of Chabad Hasidim, our understanding of the real bigger picture, is that everything that is holy and good should be manifest in the physical, which is basically the purpose of creation. For there not only to be holiness and goodness up there, but for that to manifest down here. Now, holiness and goodness manifesting up there is something natural and easy. You said tricky, 100%. That's the whole challenge of this life. That theoretically, who would not want to have holiness and goodness all over the world? Theoretically, everyone would, but there's a struggle, there's a war. And it's difficult. So, if you want to give up, so to say, right, that's the current thought of the world out there. Let's give up on planet Earth. We're doomed. Let's go to Mars. It's coming from here. It's a lost case. Well, I'm sorry. Maybe if you don't believe in a God, which some of them say they don't, you have the option to live that way. But there is a God, and God created this world. God created other worlds as well. But He created this world for a purpose, and we are part of that purpose. We got a job to do. If my job is to bring godliness into this world, then where am I going? You know, you have this Hasidish Amashal of different people that were bus drivers. And the guy that had the route on Pico Boulevard, he would come at the end of the day with a sack filled with coins because many people were going, right, from the from west, from the beach, to downtown. And then you have another person that he had a different street that was hardly not used. And he would also work the same day. But at the end of the day, he would have a bag filled with, you know, a tenth of the amount of coins. And he felt useless. He didn't feel good. He felt like he's a loser. And one day he decided, you know what? I'm going to show my boss that I'm also going to return with a, with a larger amount of money. He went on Pico Boulevard as well. And he was filled up with money. And he comes back thinking that his boss would be happy with him. Wow, you came back with so much money. He asked him, how did that happen? So he told him, I went on another route. So the boss told him, then you did wrong. The goal was not to come back with more money. The goal was to work your route or work your route however you pronounce that word in other words nothing wrong with what you're doing even better if after you work it out in the world of thought take your time there but after it's worked out to verbalize it that is even better because then all of the good that can be created on a, on a more sublime level should be and could be brought down to the gosh world how does that sound Right. So the, way, so the way I kind of think about it is that everything's energy, right? We're all energy and our energies interact with each other and we affect each other even just by standing in the same place or just being, even if we're far away. And I think that has a lot to do with the part of dreaming that you said was prophecy. You know, if someone's upset with you, they could come to you in a dream, even if they don't intend to, just by their energy being out there and you might pick it up and then understand a little bit better how they're feeling and, and it it causes an effect between people. I know, I know that. And then imagine if you take it then to the next level and you go to that person and you speak kind words to them and, and, and you resolve it here. That is viewed in the, in, in the lens of Hasidus as the best case scenario. Not minimizing your scenario. Your scenario is good, but good is good, better is better. 
So is a dream worth anything unless you bring it into speech? Yes, it's worth, but not in this world. It's worth a lot. Okay, so that's my question. So the energy that we resolve within ourselves, does that do anything for this world? Sure does, but in a very uh, sublime way. It could do something much better if we ourselves bring it down. Shoshana, it's like saying that there are certain tzaddikim that for them a shiach came already. Right. Very nice, but but that's not the goal. The goal is, is to bring it concretely to the world, to all. Right, Ma- so if one of those tzaddikim walk into a room, they bring in the smell of Ganeidin. That's right. So it actually physically changes the room. And let me add, and let me add, and if this guy that physically is in the room were to share words of Torah, then the smell of Ganeidin would probably linger in the room even after he left. How's okay. that? All right. Oh, there. Thank Good. you. All right. All right, Chavra. I'm going to try to find a link to buy the books. I can buy them myself. But it's really helpful to look learn out of a text. I'm happy to uh, give you money to buy a book for me. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you. All right. Shkoya Chavra. Have a wonderful Thank week, you, everyone. Have a good day. Thank you. I missed the beginning. What was the book? Um, the book is Shabbos um, 55... A. It's what, sorry? Uh, I'm sorry, Tractate Brachos. Oh, it's a Gemara. Okay, I wasn't there at the beginning. It's what, safer number? Safer number, it's this, if you have, you have Rama, you have from, from your husband, you have a art scroll, so I'm putting yeah, it up on the screen. It's Brachos 2, there's two, two dots over Brachos. here. Yeah. And it's page 55A. Okay, thank you. You're thank very you, welcome. Bye-bye. Take care, bye.